Welcome to The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Friday, December the 4th, 2020. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you, so... Let's make the most of this beautiful day Since we're together, we might as well say Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? A day in the neighborhood A day in the neighborhood Mr. Rogers Wow, you know, that that's just comforting It really is actually And, and I play it because there was a lot of comfort last night. I don't know if you were able to watch it. Jake Tapper of CNN did an interview, the first joint interview of the president-elect Joe Biden and the vice president-elect Kamala Harris. Yesterday it took place um, in Delaware. And for an hour, around 50 minutes or so, we got treated to a breath of fresh air. Oh, my goodness me. <laughs> wouldn't you know it who knew that we could actually have two grown-ups two adults conduct themselves in a manner that you would expect and hope for public officials who are going to be at the top of government in the united states to conduct themselves in a mature sensible intelligent and, you know, compassionate way. On this edition of The Politocrat, some snippets from Jake Tapper's interview. I think that's a good way to wind down the weekend or at least start the weekend. Right after this. Uh, the U.S. is entering the dark winter that you warned about with the highest death rate. Uh, we just reached a new horrible milestone of new cases. Um, on a policy level, what's going to be different starting on January 20th when you take office when it comes to dealing with the pandemic? Well, there's going to be a couple things. Number one, it's going to be important we set out national standards to let the... Look, we met with governors, Democrat and Republican, as well as 50 Democrat and Republican mayors. And they said they need guidance. They need guidance, you know, and they're going to need a fair amount of money. It's one thing for us to talk about being able to get help out there, but it's not getting there. We're, we're having these hospital stays are overwhelming hospitals right now. There's a need for more financial assistance. There's more financial assistance needed as well when the vaccine comes forward. There's need for planning. And so now I, the administration has been 
cooperating with us of late, letting them know what their plans are for the COVID virus, for how they're going to deliver on the vaccine. But there's not any help getting out there. And look, look at all the all the businesses that are being hurt so badly. No money to help them. You, come Christmas time, there's going to be millions of people who see their unemployment run out. So there's a whole range of things that have to be done. And we have to ante up. I'm hoping, and we've talked about this, I'm hoping the Senate in this lame duck session will come up with some help to make sure we can keep people moving, keep people in their, even if their jobs, even if they have to close restaurants and bars, they're able to be able to maintain their business while they're out. And so there's a whole lot of things that have to be done quickly. How about that? Imagine a president, a real, actual American president who commits to wanting to do something about stopping and slowing down and eradicating coronavirus, the COVID-19 disease from this country. I mean, imagine that. Isn't that something? I mean, that is refreshing and comforting to me. Um, And of course, to those of you who um, have struggled or, or who have this disease or who've, you know, had experiences with this disease or know people who are really struggling with this disease. I mean, I know people who are, you know, and you may know people who are no longer here who had this virus. I mean, so when you hear President-elect Joe Biden, who, again, is going to be sworn in just over six and a half, around six and a half weeks from now, it's it's really a breath of fresh air. Um, I know that sounds like I don't know what, but um, it's incredible when you actually have to... Um, make something that sounds so normal and ordinary seem so profound, but sometimes in the simplest revelations and the simplest things are the most profound ingredients, the most profound things. And um, right off the bat, that was President-elect Joe Biden talking about um, this need to get running uh, and deal with this really deadly virus, which is you know, we are very close now to 280,000 people who've died from this coronavirus. I mean, this is, as I've said already this week, um, it's such a devastating and heartbreaking thing. It really, truly is, you know. Um, so that was that was the first thing I think that Joe Biden um, was asked about by Jake Tapper. Here's the first thing that... Vice President-elect Kamala Harris was asked about in the interview. Madam Vice President-elect, Pfizer and Moderna have applied for emergency youth authorization um, for the vaccines. Are you confident that if and when the FDA does give that approval, it will be safe and effective and will you take it? Of course I will. And um, But we also want to make sure that the American people know that we are committed, the president-elect and I talk about this all the time, that the people who need it most um, are, are going to be a priority. Uh, we've talked a lot about the need to, to take care of our frontline workers, as the president-elect was talking about. He and I, and, and over the Thanksgiving um, holiday, for example, made a number of calls to nurses who are describing horrendous conditions in terms of the risk to their own safety to do the work of saving the lives of others. So we want to make sure that the people who, who need to get it first are, are going to be there. But of course, of course, we'll take it and I'll take it. So I think there, um, 
Vice President-elect Harris talking about um, the vaccine and the priorities that are needed. Uh, uh, she would take it if it is deemed safe and that the Dr. Fauci deems it safe. And by the way, um, President-elect Biden did as well. He added uh, much the same uh, comment and also um, wanted to underscore trust with the public because, of course, he cited that there's a lot of things that have been done over these last four years that have, um, or he just mentioned, I should say, that trust has been severely hampered in terms of confidence in this vaccine and in in all government institutions, really. I mean, that's just my thought on it. So um, it's interesting that um, Anthony Fauci, the Dr. Fauci, talked about um, today accepting the offer to be part of um, Joe Biden's medical team uh, once his, his administration gets going. Uh, so that's really good news as well, that he's going to be around, obviously, in his role in the NIAH. Um, 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 you know, that's a really good thing. Um, and also to be a, a chief medical advisor um, to Joe Biden. I think that's going to be a really good thing. Um, and he will be the one, um, you know, updating on this virus, no doubt. Um, they won't, Joe Biden won't have to be at the press conference and, you know, like the previous guy who always put himself in front of everybody else. Um, Joe Biden probably won't even be in the room. You know, he may, he may be in the room, but maybe not. He's just going to um, let the science do what it's supposed to do, which is to inform everybody and give the facts and give all the data and information that people need. So I, I thought that that was something that was really good. Here's something else I found interesting from uh, Jake Tapper's interview. I'm going to play it for you um, right now. Just um, listen to this. I, I find this to be interesting, and I'll talk about it once, um, once it's done. And I think my inclination, uh, Jake, is in the first day I'm inaugurated to say I'm going to ask the public for 100 days to mask. Just 100 days to mask. Not forever, 100 days. And I think we'll see a significant reduction if we occur that, if that occurs with vaccinations and masking to drive down the numbers considerably, considerably. Hardly an unreasonable request from Joe Biden, right? Um, that he is... Um, his inclination, and he's probably going to end up doing this, is that during his inauguration address on January 20th, he will ask Americans to wear a mask for the first 100 days of his administration. That's just a little over three months. So that would take us into January, uh, excuse me, into late April. That's not an unreasonable thing to do. That would take us until the end of April. It's far from an unreasonable thing to do with a, a pandemic virus disease raising, raging out of control as it is here in the U.S. and in a number of other countries around the world. I think that's very sensible, don't you? Um, I know someone that kind of, uh, I won't say poo-pooed this, but... Uh, kind of raised a question about why 100 days? What's that going to do? But I, I, I think it will do something. I actually do think that if people do get on board and do this for 100 days and, you know, if you can get around 70% of the American public 
to do this at least, I think you'd be you'll be in good shape. I think this virus will start to recede somewhat. I mean, this is really until this vaccine comes along because this vaccine is not going to be widely available until I think at least the late summer. I mean, we're talking, I think, my personal opinion. I've got no informed opinion about this. It's just my own personal thought about this is that we may not be getting the average person may not get this vaccine until October or November of next year. When all is said and done, think about this. Think of the millions of healthcare workers, the frontline workers, the uh, home care people, the employees who are in the home care system, and 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 and, and just think about the, the 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 especially vulnerable, you know, the elderly who need this vaccine. Those of you who um, are in the more vulnerable age groups and and pre existing condition. I mean, all of those people will have to come first. You do know that, right? I mean, I'm sure you 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 know that, dear listener. But I, I mean, just generally, I'm kind of um, talking about this more generally. I, I, we need um, to understand that just because the vaccine is close to being here in the United States, it doesn't mean that voila, Nirvana has arrived. You know, it's still going to take months and months and months until we get you know, at least, I'd say, 75% of the population vaccinated. And I know we have to deal with the people who are anti-vaxxers. Again, I always call that a separate category from people who are just genuinely skeptical. Um, Because these anti-vaxxers, I don't think are skeptical at all. They have, um, they're just dead set against it. Um, I think a lot of it is, well, you're impinging on my liberty. I don't need this jab. I don't need this shot. This is not necessary for me. Um, It's not good for my family, my kids, blah, blah, blah. By the way, there's not been any kids who have ever been tried with this vaccine yet. There's no trials. And one thing that Pfizer and BioNTech should do and Moderna when they get their uh, approval met um, and when um, this happens, one thing they should do is start running trials. I hope they do this before they get approval. Run trials on, on kids and see what happens, you know. So, you know, that's that's another thing. So those are all things. And I don't think that Biden's unreasonable in asking for masks. I mean, for Americans to wear them. I mean, that is something that Donald Trump should have done. You know, back in March, yeah, I mean, March of this year when he gave that speech from the Oval Office on March 11th, 2020, and he sat there and talked about, oh, well, travel's restricted in Europe everywhere, but the UK and Ireland, I mean, really? You know, come on, come on. That's just crazy. They never once asked you or I to wear a mask, Never. What if he had done that? I keep going back to that from time. What if he had worn a mask during that Oval Office address, that speech he gave in March, and all of a sudden during the speech he took out a mask and put it on around his face, put it on his nose, put it over his mouth? What What if he had done that? You model this kind of behavior that would have saved hundreds of thousands of lives. You would have had some loss of life, but you wouldn't have had 280,000 people 
die from this virus. And that's the heartbreak and the anger and the frustration and that it did not have to happen. It did not have to come to this. So I think that's where that comes from. So Joe Biden asking the you know president-elect Biden asking, uh, saying that he's going to ask Americans to wear masks for the first 100 days. I think that's the very minimum that we can do. And my goodness me, there's nothing wrong with saving lives. Jake, the last thing, I think they started off with, uh, based on my team that's met with them, with focusing on first responders, meaning doctors, nurses, focusing on nursing homes and nursing personnel. But we also have to make sure that when the vaccine is distributed, it's accessible to people who've been hurt the most, the brown and black communities, which is, are not likely to be able to access, for example, Walmarts or access, very, I mean, we have to get to their neighborhoods. So it's a really difficult but doable project, but it has to be well-planned. And that's what we're in the process of beginning to do now. You know, uh, uh, folks who are African-Americans and, and Latinos are the first ones hurt when something happens, the last one recover. And you saw the statistics, and they're somewhere, depending on which report you get and where you're talking about, from four to five times more likely, three to four times more likely to die if they get COVID. So they need the help and they need to get it in immediately. Um, Madam Vice President-elect, most health. During the interview with Jake Tapper um, of um, President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, um, President-elect Biden spoke about the bill that's apparently being worked on now in um, Capitol Hill, on Capitol Hill. Um, regarding the stimulus, and apparently it looks like a $908 billion bill that is being worked on. Um, they are not close to reaching an agreement, so that is something that is still being worked on. A lot of sticking points, um, including on unemployment insurance benefits and on other matters um, that are being held up here. Very important matters, I should add. Um, but Joe Biden essentially said that he trusts uh, Chuck Schumer, the Senate, well, hopefully the Senate majority leader by the time um, Joe Biden's sworn in. But at the moment, he's the minority leader and trusts House Speaker Nancy Pelosi to do what they have to do. Um, he wants this bill passed. He would actually like to see the $908 billion proposal uh, passed as a bill. Um, that remains to be seen. Mitch McConnell's not happy with how high the bill is, at least as far as he thinks $908 billion is a lot of money uh, for the country. I don't think it is personally, and perhaps you may not either. Uh, and Speaker Pelosi is not happy with the fact, I'm sure, that it has gone down way below where she had it. But she and Chuck Schumer compromised to this um, because they recognized that the dynamics had changed. It's post-election. Donald Trump was not going to have office after six more weeks. So they actually decided to come down and in a compromise bill that's been worked on by moderates in both political parties, um, Senator Schumer and Speaker Nancy Pelosi decided to um, look at this new threshold. Um, 
now the bill is still being worked on. But the point is, is that Joe Biden said that he would be happy if they were passing that and he would urge them to do so, um, saying that it is needed now, but there would be more that he would love to be able to do once he actually gets sworn in. Um, who knows? The bill, people are hoping that this $908 bill will be ready uh, here in the United States before year's end. So we are at December the 4th right now, obviously, and um, at the time I'm recording this, at least. And the end of 2020 is in sight, literally just 27 more days, just just over three and a half weeks, almost four weeks from now. Um well, you know that, that you know that will be go because four weeks from now it will be January the first. So I mean, it's really um, imperative. I think that they do come up with an agreement. I really do. Uh, we'll see what happens with it. And I do want to point to this next portion of the interview, and it was about the relationship that Vice President Elect Kamala Harris has with President-elect Joe Biden and vice versa. What is the nature of the relationship? Um, since um, Kamala Harris, who is still Senator Harris, technically speaking, um, as well as vice president-elect, um, was announced, I believe, August the 11th or 12th of 2020. What's the relationship been like over these last three or four months? Here is, um, I guess, Jake Tapper asking that question. And I think Joe Biden and perhaps I think Kamala Harris, too, I hope, both of them answering that question. What's been the biggest surprise about working with her? I know you knew her before through Bo, um, but... but well, there, well, look, there hadn't been any surprise because we had the discussion about this beforehand. Mm -hmm. Beforehand. First of all, I understand how campaigns can sometimes get a little out of whack a little bit. And, uh, and as I told her, you know, because you asked the question, I don't hold grudges. It's, I mean, that's why Richard Brent Kramer questioned whether I was really Irish, you know, I mean, but all kidding aside. The first lady to be told me she holds them for you. Yes, she does, but not with, she's, she, she and Kamala have become friends. Yeah. But all kidding aside, it's, it's a matter of the thing, we are simpatico on our philosophy of government and simpatico on how we want to attach approach these issues that we're facing. And so I don't have, and when we disagree, it'll be just like, it's so far, it's been just like when Barack and I did. It's in private. She'll say, I think we should do A, B, C, or D. And I'll say, I, don't, I like A, don't like B and C. Mm -hmm. And let's go, okay. But, and I, like I told Barack, if, if, if I reach something where there's a, a fundamental disagreement we have based on a moral principle, I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I'll develop some disease and say I have to resign. Um, we, we don't have that. I'm a, we haven't. And we discussed at length mm -hmm. our views on foreign policy, on yeah. domestic policy, on intelligence. And the great thing is she has a background in the Senate on intelligence, the Intelligence Committee. She has a background in the Senate on a whole range of things that are going to be pertinent to what we have to do. But it's going to be, I think so much is going to be incoming, Jake. Yeah. It's a matter about who, 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 who takes what when. One of the things that comes up, and you'll hear it in a few moments during this interview of Senator, of, of well, <laughs> both of them have been senators, um, but President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Harris is a question um, that Jake Tapper poses to the President-elect about hiring and the, the diversity of the cabinet thus far. Now, Joe Biden has not 
um, named his full cabinet yet, his full administration yet. There have been about roughly 15 positions that have been filled at the moment, um, something like that, um, main cabinet at least. There are still outstanding members like the Attorney General, the Defense Secretary, um, the Commerce Secretary, Education Secretary, and others of that ilk, the Attorney General, if I didn't mention that before, and others of that ilk um, that need to be named. And so far, though, uh, only one, maybe two, one uh, top-level position has been filled by someone who is black. And that was the UN ambassador position, U.S. ambassador to the UN, um, Linda Thomas Greenfield, who was an excellent choice week before last, or was it last week? I forget now. Um, I think it was last week. And that's been a really good pick um, so far. But she's the only one in a position that is not deputy, that is actually a leading position, who has been picked so far, who is black. And there haven't been any Latinos except for the uh, Department of Homeland Security um, pick, um, Alejandro, forget his last name, um, who Biden has picked. So there are people in the NAACP and actually also the um, Latino, the Congressional Caucus there, the Latino Caucus, um, who have suggested or who have been not happy necessarily uh, and have asked Joe Biden, have started to lean on Joe Biden to put black and brown people in the more senior level positions and not in deputy positions. And so this is the question that was posed to Joe Biden about this whole thing. And um, Joe Biden answers it by saying exactly what I've been saying here so often on this podcast, which is, well, just listen to the answer that Joe Biden gives. Mr. President-elect, that the NAACP is suggesting uh, that they are disappointed uh, so far that there haven't been more black Americans named to high-profile positions, present company accepted, and uh, that uh, Jim Clyburn said, he's watching your cabinet picks, and quote, I can think of at least 10 black folks that qualify for every single one. One position you have yet to announce is attorney general. Do you think, given... Um, George Floyd, Black Lives Matter, uh, the social justice issues, the uh, justice, criminal justice reform issues, that a black attorney general would be the right direction? Look, I'm going to be announcing the remaining 15 members of the cabinet. The first eight members, the most diverse cabinet anyone in American history has ever announced. There are three, three white men. There are, or there are, excuse me, there are three men. There are five women. There are five people of color, three white people. I mean, this is going to be an incredibly diverse. I'm going to keep my commitment that the administration, both in the White House and outside in the cabinet, is going to look like the country. I'm going to be meeting with the NAACP uh, board, I guess, and they told me Tuesday, I think. Tuesday. Yeah. And, uh, and so, look, my job, their job is to push me. Every Every special interest, and, and I don't say that in a negative way, every, every advocacy group out there is pushing for more and more and more of what they want. That's their job. My job is to keep my commitment, to make the decisions, and when it's all over, people will take a look and say, I promise you, you'll see the most diverse cabinet, representative of all folks, 
Asian Americans, African Americans, Latinos, LGBTQ, across the board. And uh, so I, I think, and they're all forthcoming in the next uh, month or so. So you heard it. And what, what I want to say is you heard what Joe Biden said about they're going to push me. And that's their job. And how often, dear listener, have I said here on this podcast that we have to push Joe Biden and Kamala Harris? I have said that almost, well, I've said it a lot, <laughs> including yesterday's episode. Um, and that's what we have to do. And he, he recognizes that both of them understand this. And I'm glad that he actually said it because he knows he's getting pushed. He has been pushed. He was pushed during the campaign. He's been pushed by several groups, whether it was the Sunrise Movement, whether it's Our Revolution, whether it is um, black women who um, collectively wrote to the Washington Post, among other places, and urged, publicly urged Joe Biden to pick a black woman for his VP. I mean, and so many others. He's been pushed by all kinds of movement, Black Lives Matter movement, so many that have pushed Joe Biden. And uh, he said his job is to keep his commitment. That is, that's important to hear. And we will see that tested because certainly I have talked about planning and agenda planning and what is your agenda here as you transition along with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. I mean, they're going through this transition more directly perhaps than you are, but they are going through it as are you. You're transitioning from this very toxic, destructive, uh, toxic masculinity, poisonous, racist, misogynistic, um, cruel, barren man, in, crook, criminal in Donald Trump to people who care about, actually do care about doing their jobs and actually do care about the title um, that they hold and the responsibility that comes with it and actually do care about the people and actually do endeavor to do something to help them. I mean, so this is all really important. This is really important. And um, there is a level of comfort in knowing that I think this administration is going to be so much different from what we've been seeing and what we've experienced the last four years. It's not going to be a close contest, believe me. Um, I am so... Um, Happy to know that Joe Biden understands that. And I said that before. He understands what it means to be pushed. He knows. That's what they're expecting. That's what Kamala Harris is expecting. To be pushed and challenged. And because you push and challenge them, it doesn't mean that you don't like them. It means that you're, you need to push an agenda and you voted for them with an eye toward making sure that they implemented the agenda that you are pushing. Which means the pushing starts now. So I, I was just really happy to hear that coming from Joe Biden because I knew intrinsically that at some point it would because he has talked about this before and expecting to be pushed and wanting to be pushed and that's part of this this whole thing. So I think that's a really good thing. And, and the cabinet question by the NAACP is, a, is more than legitimate. I mean, it is. Why don't hire them now? Why wait until, well, we're still rolling them out? I think you could have sent a really, again, and some people might view me as nitpicking here, but 
you could send a profound message had you named, you know, three of your first five cabinet members be black, you know, you could send and two of them be black women or three of them be black women. I think you can really send a message that way. And, you know, I I don't know if we're going to see that kind of thing. We don't I mean, there's still no uh, Latina in that in the major position. I mean, Michelle Lujan Grisham, I mean, she was, uh, you know, I, I there's no, she is so, so qualified. Why couldn't she, why can't she be Health and Human Services Secretary? She has to be, doesn't she? 40 years plus of experience. She's a governor right now in New Mexico, has been in the House of Representatives. I mean, I mean, my goodness, that's a resume of great experience. And she's done obviously good things in New Mexico. So why shouldn't Michelle Lujan Grisham be um, a Latina in that position. She should be. And I think that Joe Biden shouldn't waste any more time. Um, but look, the point is, is that I do think you're going to see more black people and more brown people and some other inclusion as well that I think is very important. Um, but again, if Joe Biden says it like he did almost a month ago now that the black community has had my back and I'll have theirs as well. Well, let's see it happen. Let's see it happen. And I think that's what Derek Johnson and those others at the NAA um, are really talking about. That's what they're concerned about. You know, you, you, we put you in office and what are you doing? Um, and I get it. Senator Harris, you know, Vice President-elect Harris is one of the, you know, what have you, one of the people, what have you. I'm sorry, I, I don't mean what have you. I mean, you know, she's one of the individuals who, has been picked by Joe Biden, but that wasn't just Joe Biden and, and people around him waking up and saying, oh, I think I'm going to pick a black woman for vice president. That is sustained pressure by largely, predominantly, and, and pretty much most of that pressure was coming from black women. It was coming from others, some black men as well. Uh, I certainly was someone who kept going about that and thinking actually it was going to be Elizabeth Warren, uh, but I thank goodness I was wrong. Um you know, I also would say that Susan Rice is going to be in there, too. But, you know, I think Susan Rice might be in this administration. I have a sneaky feeling that Susan Rice is going to be a part of things in the Biden administration before all is said and done. Um, Joe Biden respects her greatly. They're very good friends, which I don't think hurts. And she, she I think, is just, you know, has got a lot of foreign policy experience as well. We'll see what happens with with uh, Susan Rice, but uh, I was really happy. The point I'm making is really happy about the way that Joe Biden answered that question. And there'll be one or two clips to play right after this. Jake Tapper asked Vice President-elect Kamala Harris about climate and um, the agenda and um, that uh, the Biden-Harris administration is going to have on climate, something that the word progressive was used during the course of this response by Vice President-Harris-elect. You know, I just want to call it Vice President Harris right now, don't you? I mean, I get it. There's not more than one president or vice president at once, but come on. The the last four years, there's not been a president. There's only been a fascist dictator, strongman thug, um, 
and his acolytes and accomplices. And here's what Vice President-elect Harris had to say about um, the agenda um, on the climate crisis and on climate and global warming. Just an ambitious climate agenda. Mm -hmm. You've named John Kerry as your climate envoy. Realistically, any significant change is going to be an uphill battle with such a closely divided House and Senate, no matter how the Georgia runoffs go. What can you do that will both genuinely address the issue and uh, won't just get reversed by the next Republican president? Will actually be legislative? No, I agree with you. Our agenda is pretty progressive. And, um, and, and some might call it ambitious, but we, the American people and frankly the world can't afford anything less. Uh, the, t the clock is ticking rapidly on this issue. And the president-elect um, has made it very clear that we are going to approach this in a way that we know the vast majority have so much more in common than what separates us. Uh, we brought together through the policy, but also in practice convened um, everyone from labor groups to, to Fortune 500 folks uh, who there is a consensus among on what needs to happen. Um, the the, the president-elect was talking with the head of GM and days later, we see that they're going to drop their resistance to California's rules on electric vehicles. So we have reason to be optimistic about what is possible. It will not be easy. It will require a convening. But as the president-elect always says, look, this, as much as anything, is also about jobs. It's about investing in research and development. It's about investing in the American worker with jobs that are well-paying jobs, good, good union, well-paying jobs. And, um, and I think that, that there is more consensus than one might think. And this is what will please the Sunrise Movement and anybody who cares about the planet and the future of it is what you just heard from Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, having this bold agenda that seeks to really address these really serious issues about the climate. And it's a great answer. Um, now let's see it happen in practice. Let's see this get implemented and, um, and let's move forward because this climate is just, I mean, this man-made activity that's destroying our planet and poisoning the water and polluting the air and oh my gosh this last four years Donald Trump was giving green lights to companies to pollute I mean his executive orders gave that green light um, this is going to be very different thank God with Biden and Harris and um, there's going to be um, a wide and furious ranging effort to uh, really get the earth and the environment protected again and that's something that I look forward to. And we have to keep pushing on all these things. One last clip here that I want to share with you. This is about China and the challenge for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris where it comes to China because of the way that Donald Trump has absolutely left things to be a complete minefield mess. Here's what Joe Biden had to say about China and about Donald Trump and the way he's behaved towards China. There are international rules that if you want to play by, we'll play with you. If you don't, we're not going to play, number one. Number two, it's not about punishing them for the COVID virus. It's about insisting that there be international norms that are established that they play by. For example, 
the idea that we make up about, uh, uh, you know, 15, uh, 20% of the world's uh, economy, 25%, and, and they are, and, and we're, we're not going along with the rest of our allies to make sure that in Europe and in Asia, we insist that, for example, stopping the stealing of, of, of national secrets, stopping the secret stealing of, of artificial intelligence capacities. We have to make it clear that we will respond. For example, when you're in a situation where if you want to do business in China and you're a high-tech firm, you've got to have a 51% Chinese partner so they have access to your material. That's not going to happen in our administration. That's not going to happen. During the primary last year, um, Madam Vice President-elect, you told NPR that the Justice Department, quote, would have no choice but to prosecute President Trump and that, quote, there has to be accountability. Uh, how does that square uh, with what the president-elect just said about not telling the Justice Department to go after individuals? We will not tell the Justice Department how to do its job. And we are going to assume, and I say this as a former attorney general, uh, elected in California, and I ran the second largest Department of Justice in the United States, that any decision coming out of the Justice Department, in particular the United States Department of Justice, should be based on facts, it should be based on the law, it should not be influenced by politics, period. And um, I guarantee you, that's how it will be run. So Ashley snuck in a second clip, <laughs> which was about um, whether or not the uh, DOJ, Department of Justice, was going to um, be influenced in any way by soon-to-be President Biden. Um, Kamala Harris did indeed say, Senator Harris did indeed say when she was running herself for president last year that she um, would authorize the Justice Department to prosecute um, Donald Trump and his family for these crimes. Um, and um, definitely, I remember that. She said it on the debate stage as well when she was asked. Uh, but obviously now, uh, after an election victory where she's on the ticket of Joe Biden and uh, as the vice president-elect, obviously will sound a different tune. That just makes sense because she, A, is not the top of the ticket and B, um, does not want to step on the toes, obviously, of, of Joe Biden by any stretch, step on her boss's toes. So, of course, she's going to moderate and alter her view and change her response, which is not a gotcha. It's just, a, at least to me, I mean, there may be Jake Tapper. Well, I don't want to ascribe motives to him. But I, I just think that... Um, you know, that's not even a question. Um, but what I do do want to emphasize is that this family, this crime family uh, of the Trumps, they have got to be prosecuted. I'm sorry. There's just no, I'm not even going to apologize for that, actually. They have to be prosecuted, uh, at the very minimum investigated. And they are already being investigated twice in New York, once in the city of New York with Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus Vance and once in upstate New York or in New York State in general, Tish James, the New York State Attorney General. So they're being certainly being looked into. They're being investigated. They have been investigated for the better part of what, maybe two or three years now. So I can tell you that that's happening. But the issue is on a federal level, will the Justice Department actually do this? And Joe Biden did not ever say that he wouldn't. Have wouldn't prosecute or that the DOJ wouldn't. He just said two things. One, he, he wants to move forward. And two, I will not tell the DOJ what to do. 
So I guess the key is who is going to be the Justice Department um, leader. In other words, who's going to be the Attorney General? That is going to be a huge factor. Um, you know, we will see, and um, we can probably gauge whether or not they're going to be prosecuting Donald Trump and his family or not, based upon who it is that is the Attorney General. We'll see. We shall see. There's lots of cabinet uh, places to fill. Agriculture sec Secretary, I'd say Marsha Fudge should get that position. I would certainly expect um, uh, the Defense Secretary to be named soon, and it's probably going to be Jay Johnson. Um, Jay Johnson, of course, served with Obama under his administration as the uh, uh, Department of Homeland Security chief. Uh, I expect that um, a logical move from Department of Homeland Security would be defense. I mean, that's not a shock, too much of a shock, at least I don't think. And it would certainly well be within the remit and the wheelhouse of Jay Johnson, who I met years ago in New York, by the way, at the, the firm I used to work at, law firm I used to work at there. But the point, the bottom line is, is that um, um, there's still lots of cabinet positions to fill, and I'd love to see Marsha Fudge get in there. I think that uh, Michelle Grisham, Lewin Grisham will. Um, I do think there's a possibility. Uh, I don't know who would be the housing and urban development secretary, but I would imagine it would be a woman and probably um, a Latina. Um, so there'll be at least two Latinas, I think. You'll also have a number of other positions as well. So there you go. I mean, that's really um, how it goes. Joe Biden there, you just... Um, heard about the independence of the De Department of Justice, which I think is a welcome thing after the corruption and the criminality of Bill Barr, who should be investigated as well. Um, it was a good interview. Now, of course, there's lots that I didn't play, but those snippets, I think, were probably best representative of the balance of the 50 minutes or so that was shown on television last night on CNN. Of course, you can see the whole thing on YouTube or um, archived, um, you know, in your cable system, if you have, uh, you know, such cable. Um, but um, I just wanted to spend this episode playing some of the highlights. And so you can evaluate some of this for yourself in case you did not get to see the full interview with uh, Vice President uh, Biden, soon to be President uh, Biden and um, Senator Harris, soon to be Vice President Harris. Six and a half weeks from now, my goodness me, the time is dwindling down quickly. We are, what, 47 days away from a brand new administration and hopefully the turning of a page on a chapter in America for good. I mean, we don't need this anymore. We're fatigued, we're tired, we have just had it with all of this, including the pandemic itself. But please be safe out there, everybody. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore.